You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is... Paul Gilliari. Paul, you sound slightly different today, and there's a reason for that. I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, I am in San Diego, Jason. Did a little, little family outing here in San Diego. So I'm, I'm recording from uh, the patio of a, of a B&B, and... Uh, I'm using the AirPods, so apologies to our dear listeners if I don't sound like my my normal baritone self. But, <laughs> I was uh, going to say this, this, this people will have to do. Uh, you know, I'll here. try to I'll try to sweeten the tones a little bit with this um, the second chance beer company Mulligan Amber Ale from San Diego, California. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll drink something local tonight. Okay, I'm drinking uh, L.A. City's finest tap water that's been filtered. <laughs> <laughs> had a long night last night, Paul. I believe you did. Happy uh, belated birthday. Thank you. To uh, Jason, who just crossed a milestone. Yeah. And, 30 uh, again. 30 again. <laughs> 30 again. Yeah. So when I'm, I get I'm back into it. town, buddy, I've, I've got the special surprise in store for you. Oh. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Every, every ounce of um, energy I've got left for the day is going to be poured into this for you dear listeners so i'll do my best to hang i i, I feel tired i hope it, hopefully i don't sound too tired uh i probably do and then paul is gonna do his best despite the fact he's got his airpods on his usual pristine microphone so bear with us it's kind of like trying to bear with pearl jam as they find their sea legs again on tour and busting out chestnuts from uh, years past they haven't played in a while yeah Speaking yeah. of which, no, <laughs> we try to, sometimes we try too hard to make these segues perfect and it just feels really weird. Uh, actually, before we get into, um, I wanted to quickly touch on Hyde Park shows, uh, a big thank you to all of our patrons. Um, if you have signed up for Patreon, we really appreciate you. Uh, and if you have yet to join and are interested, link is in our bio, check it out if you are so inclined. Um, otherwise, happy to have you here. And we're going to power on today with, uh, like I said, just a couple notes on the Hyde Park shows in London. Um, there was actually, Paul, I haven't showed you this yet, mm. a couple from Santa Clarita, California, which is nearby to us. Yeah. Uh, they bought um, one of each of our shirts and wore them to the shows out there. And so I have a couple of pictures from, from Mike and his wife, Kelly. Uh, wearing each of our shirts out there in London. Hey, would you look at that? Mike Kelly, a tip of the cap to you. Appreciate your patronage and your support. Yeah. We do this for you. We do this for you. Only for Mike and Kelly. Everybody else is a bonus. So Hyde Park shows, they had very different set lists, which we, I think a lot of us would appreciate. Um, the July 8th show had open with better man which is which was strange but awesome uh low light breath at three when has that happened hasn't been played in 23 shows 
Mind Your Manners, Save You, Quick Escape, Tag God Save the Queen, which is cool. Um, in Hiding, Retrograde, Light Years, haven't played that in 30 shows, Even Flow, Unthought Known, Daughter. Um, they tagged Good Woman for the first time since 2006. Mm. Super Blood Wolf Moon, Given to Fly, Public Image, first time since 2014. Once, Porch, which is like the natural closer now for the main set. And they played uh, I'm the Answer uh, with Simon Townsend, Jeremy, Indifference, Alive, Rockin' in the Free World. Uh, quick thoughts on that set list from last Friday. Uh, it, it's exciting stuff. I like seeing Low Light up there. Uh, light Years, good good to see that one mm. working its way back in, in the circulation. You're a big fan of Breath. I love to see it on there as well. I like the curveballs with these new openers, man. I have to say, I think it's cool. It's, uh, it's really cool. Yeah. Better. I mean, Better Man is about as weird an opener or as unique an as opener as when we heard a live open down there in Australia. Yeah. It's very strange, but we'll take it. Um, July 9th, very next night, open with Corduroy. Not too uncommon. Elderly Woman, Why Go Deep, brought back that one for the first time Ooh. in a few weeks. Uh, Wishlist, tagging, waiting on a friend. First time in a while for that one. Garden, Throw Your Hatred Down, Do the Evolution, Animal, Clairvoyance, Not For You. For the first time in 26 shows, Rats. That's pretty sweet. Faithful, for the first time since we saw it in LA. Save yeah. Love and Trust, Eruption, Black, uh, Porch, Closing It Out. They brought back River Cross for the first time in a while. Uh, and then Leash Alive, Ledbetter, Baba. What do you make of that one? That's a good one as well. I think um, these these uh, these these little like rats, for example, just a great great little nugget. Those are the ones when you're walking back to the car or the train, however you got there. You're, you're thinking of those two or three songs that you just never could have pegged you to yeah. hear. You know, and, and this is not a B-side or anything like that. It was, it was an album cut, but you don't hear rats very often. And um, I'm, I'm, I would love, and I've said this in the past, I'd love to get inside the process of designing these set lists. Yeah. And, 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 you know, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So <laughs> probably not for you from afar. No, <laughs> or us. Probably not for me. Um, 60th time they played rats ever. It's not a lot. Uh, 60. Yeah. Album came out with 93, 94. 93. Yeah. That, that's basically twice a year. They play it. Um, all right. So, uh, and by the way, there was plenty of really good set lists in the European journey so far. I think Werchter out there in Belgium was excellent as well. Frankfurt was pretty cool. Copenhagen. So uh, whoever's been to those shows, hope you've enjoyed it. Whoever's going to the rest of July, I think a couple more dates, probably like five or six more dates. Uh, enjoy that and then because come back to America. So uh, cities like Nashville and New York and Camden and Denver get to have a taste. So very yeah. cool stuff. Uh, let's then move to our main topic tonight. And it's something that uh, obviously there's, there's a reverse side to this coin, which we'll do it another time. But today we're going to do something called five songs that have aged the worst. We're going to start with the bad news first, and we'll do the reverse the reverse fixture, as our football friends would say, um, sometime, I don't know, weeks from now. So before we get into the songs, are there song choices here? Can you give me a little insight into how you decided some of these songs, what your, what your um, uh, 
I guess. What is the word I'm looking for? This is a tired am. I can't even think of the word. Process. Word. Is the yeah, process, the process. Right? Yeah. What, what was the process? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, you know, I, I think for me, it was two questions. The first question I would ask myself is when, I, I, let me compare what the experience of listening to that song is now to when I first heard it. Was there a novelty factor? Was, was there something about that song that when I hear it today, it, it, it feels dull mm. or, it, 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 you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a, um, a weariness or a fatigue around the song or, or, or more importantly, when I listen to the song, does it feel less relevant or not, not as timely or dated? You know what I mean? So th those are some of the questions I asked myself as I went through this process to try to articulate which, which songs maybe haven't aged like fine wines as, uh, as most of their, their songs have. Um, but you're around as long as they have. You make as much music as they do. You're going to have some songs that just quite frankly don't hold up to test time. Oh, you know what I mean? And, and then the process that they go through to put these tracks together and, and their, their own um, creative process, I think is, is sometimes uh, very uniquely, uh, I don't want to call it flawed, but I think that when you look at the recording process and how, how they bring songs into the fold, sometimes these, these exercises are maybe not as well thought out. And maybe they're, they're quirky and interesting and, and we dig them at the time, and then suddenly, as years pass, we're like, you know what? I don't know if that song holds up as well as I thought it did. Yeah, I mean, it could really be as simple as the musical flavorings. I mean, right? You could you could write a song that, musically speaking, fits the zeitgeist, the musical zeitgeist of the time, and then now that's just not like in vogue at no, all. It's, it it's just the feels weird. Master test. You know the Beastmaster <laughs> test? It's like when you when you were like seven, you saw Beastmaster, and you're like, this movie's awesome. And then you see it again when you're like 37, because it just Terrible. passes on TV at some point. And you're like, mother of God, this is hot garbage. Like, why? Yeah. Did I, even at seven, what the heck was I thinking? Yeah. So, yeah. There you there's go. that. And then there's also some, you know, some lyrical matter that just doesn't apply. Like, like, like yeah. the band and you have maybe matured past where that could be relevant. Um, so yeah, some things to consider when doing this. I'm sure yeah. many, all you guys out there have your own choices for this. Some of them are probably like sacrilege. Like, how could you think that's listen, it's all good, man. It's all good. Um, do you want to start things off with, with your fifth choice here? Yeah, I, I'm going to, my first track here, I'm going to go with Bush Leaguer. Okay. I think that th this is a song that, uh, I, I wasn't particularly fond of when I first heard it to begin with on mm -hmm. Ryan Act. But I remember that there were a lot of people that, that really dug it. I think they, they enjoyed the, the pointed political message at the time. It was a, a tirade against uh, George W. Bush. And uh, yeah, it, it has a, a spoken word quality to it that you look at a song like I'm Open that I, I think has actually continued to age well. It's a song that I still enjoy here or, or Push Me, Pull Me. I think the band, yeah, I think they can do spoken word well when they want to. But this one just feels stuck in a moment in time, and it, it doesn't feel, um, first of all, it's very on the nose. I mean, it mm -hmm. is, <laughs> you know, and so you listen to it now, and it just, it doesn't feel like it, 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 it's not as timely. The song doesn't seem to carry the same messages forward 
in ways that make me feel like I can connect to it at all. I think if they had taken more of an abstract approach to it, or if they had maybe used some, some metaphor in the song instead, and they tried to, to, to talk a little bit more about the, some of the bigger themes that the song is, you know, instead of exploring themes, it just kind of dives straight into literally pop policy you know yeah. in a lot of ways. And so I think that uh, it would be a, a more interesting song and I think it would, it would age better if it wasn't so rooted in a very, very specific date and time and, and specifically tied to a specific person in this case. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. I think a lot of people would agree with you on that one. Um, I'm going to start things off with Blood. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that song for me is all about how Ed sings it. Uh, that screaming is like 50% or more of that song's soul. The rest of it, or most of the rest of it, I think is Dave A. Um, and we have neither of those things now. Uh, he, he can't, Ed can't sing the song like he, like he did in the 90s, early to mid 90s. And there's a way that Dave plays that song that's, that more fits, the, Dave plays that song in a way that is more, um, the song leans on that more than other songs in the catalog do. And I think without those two options, and I still enjoy the song a lot, but it doesn't, it's never going to reach the ceiling that it, it, it had for itself. And you could say that about a lot of the earliest songs, but I think this one's the most stark because of what makes it great are the two things they don't have anymore. So, yeah, it's an interesting take you have there. So, I mean, it's, it's, and then you have, you know, some of the, some of the lyrical matter may not apply as much anymore either, but um, I think for those two uh, reasons, Blood will be my fifth choice. That's interesting. I, I hadn't really considered how it sounds live and whether or not that should be a criteria for whether or not a song feels dated. Because I, there are a lot of songs it doesn't sound the same on anymore. But I can always put the album on, you know, and, and listen to that mm. track and, and still feel that. But but you you, you make a good point though that, uh, that there, think, there's, there, there's, okay, that's the thing is like, I don't I don't know that even if even if we put the caveat of like hey. It's only the studio versions. You can only think about, like, I don't know that I could even separate the two. If we, if we had, had you know, a quote unquote rule about it. it, the, the live catalog influences how I view the song just by an osmosis. It's hard not to, it's hard to separate the two. Um, when you're thinking about how you listen or view or, or yeah. judge the song, um, at least in, in this exercise for me, it was hard to separate those two things. Uh, I'm going to move the lightning bolt here. I'm going to go with Sirens. Mm. I think this is a song that okay. uh, when I first first heard it, I think I there was a novelty element to it. You know, this idea that Pearl Jam had consciously set out to write a ballad. Uh, he had the backing vocals, everything. It was it was supposed to be their quintessential ballad. You know, and I don't feel like it, it does that it doesn't it, it, it's a song that it, it, if it was what I thought it was meant to be it, it would be a staple of live shows it would be the you know the lighter song that everybody is like waving to and it's not it's, it, it really hasn't ever really become that I don't want to say it's a forgettable song but I wouldn't go that far but it's it's very um, 
uh, cookie cutter, I think, in a lot of ways, and formulaic. And, and while the music is good, and, and, and I do think that some of the lyrical content does stand out in certain places of the composition, I just, it, it's not a song that I, I think is going, it has aged well, and I think as more time passes, it'll be a song that just, you know, feels like a, I don't want to say a failed exercise, but, but um, one that, that didn't quite truly realize its ambitions. I think at the time it was, um, I was a little surprised that they tr they went for this, to your point, this ballad, um, they really dug into that and steered yeah. into it. Because um, it hasn't, it wasn't really something we've ever heard before. You know, no. anything you, else you could, you could consider a ballad was very like, it was very negative in its tone. Like you think about comeback, you know, it's essentially yeah. a eulogy and you think about it's yearning or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those, those musically, those kinds of songs are, are not very hopeful, and this was kind of a no. basically a love song. So, or Edel doing solo. Yeah, but with the with the full band, the the, the grandiose, the grandiosity. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a board. Grandiose. Um, uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. They they've only played the song seventy five times. They played it three times in twenty eighteen, um, ten in twenty sixteen. Like it, it's just. After that lightning bolt tour, it's been around a smattering of times. So I, maybe the band agrees with you. All right. I'm going to go to my fourth song here. And I'm going to, well, you know what? I'm not going to guess that you have this on there as well, because you might, you, you might not, you might have held it at the same regard <laughs> the entire time. I'm going to go with Habit. Uh, <laughs> the music is probably one of the more dated songs they've written i mentioned that in the location at the top um i mean there's literally a call out to the 90s it's a decade <laughs> so so that kind of roots a little bit <laughs> um and its material isn't dated so much as the expression of that material you know addiction is still a thing that can be easily uh written about as, as a muse uh, um, as, as fodder but um, but the manner in which Ed sings about it seems a bit stuck to me um, and again another reason why they probably haven't played it very much at all in the last 15 years I mean let's do a quick look up at this song I have to imagine someone going played it probably like 50 times let's see what we got any, any bets before I load the page up oh god I'm gonna say 36. 36. I'm going to go 50. 98. Still, still, I mean, it's like essentially once per tour. They put it a bunch and for some reason they put it a bunch in 2000. <laughs> and then <laughs> like from 2009 on, it's like once each, each, each year. It's really strange. Um, so yeah, for me, Habit, um, Again, I don't hate the song. I think it's probably definitely bottom half of the catalog. Um, sure. But, you know, and so I'm wondering, you know, do you, if, if you don't have it, actually, you know, don't say anything. If you if you have it, you have it. Don't, don't, don't say anything. You know, that whole garage rock sound, I don't think it has aged well myself. So I'm totally with you on that mm. one. Um, but I, I didn't think that, I mean, that wasn't a song. That I, I don't think they really hit that. They didn't really nail it for me, even when No Code came out. Like I was listening to that, thinking this is. I think it was something that they did, and that it that quickly morphed into the, the dad punk stuff that they started doing later. Um, for me, it was kind of a quick phase 
that old garage, the garage rock sound. So it, it well, sure, it, but it, it, here's my question though to you. You know, it's not, this isn't necessarily, um, is the song, uh, better or worse per se. It's like, has, has it aged well? Does, does the song make any sense in today's day and age? Like if you, if you, if you play like an Iron Maiden song, like that even metal doesn't sound like that anymore as much as i love iron maiden do you know what i mean like it doesn't fit the times i guess is that, maybe that's what i mean maybe that's where i'm no, going from. it's a sound argument it's a sound but, argument. but to your point it's it's yeah it, it that was more of the time to have that kind of sound and you don't hear them sound much anymore no you don't really. yeah uh um, right, what, what do you got next I actually have a tie. It's two songs from the same album, but I feel the same way about them for the same reason. I, I'm going to Avocado here. I'm going to go with Severed Hand and Marker and Sand. Okay. Uh, the, 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 these are two rock songs that when I first heard them, I thought that they were standout tracks. I loved the riffs. I thought, you know, this was just great ripping rock and roll. And uh, a lot of that album, quite frankly, I don't think has held up that well. I, I, I feel like Avocado is an album that uh, I never feel this great urge to put on Avocado and say, I'm going to listen to this all the way through. I think that the, the new remix was far stronger than the original mix. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was more dynamic. But, um, you know, it was, the other one was just too blisteringly loud. You know what I mean? And I like Loud Pearl Jam, but it, mm -hmm. it was just harsh. It was like recorded at such a high like a decibel level it felt like this every time and you could no matter how low you turn the song it felt like your speakers were <laughs> being strained um but just the, the riffs themselves they just feel derivative there's just a derivative quality of both both of those songs to me that didn't feel that way when i first heard them i think when i first heard them i thought oh man these riffs are, these riffs are killer you know Mm. And uh, I still enjoy the songs, you know, when I hear them. But I don't, I don't feel that same excitement over songs like those two anymore. Like if they play them in a set, I'll, I'll enjoy it, obviously. But I won't. It's not something I'm pining here. Those aren't songs that uh, I would want to necessarily introduce somebody to Pearl Jam with. And I think when Avocado came out in 2006, if somebody had said, "God, I haven't listened to these guys in years," I'd say, "Oh man." <laughs> We put on marker in the sand and severed hand for you. Check out these riffs. That's probably something I would have said back in Ocidic. And well, there's, there's no way I would do that now. It's uh, severed hands and played 15 times since 2013. So they would probably agree with you. Yeah. Not a lot there. Yeah, I, I feel, um, I actually don't have, funnily enough, I don't have any songs from Avocado on my list. But uh, your reasoning is to again borrow a Simpsons phrase, perfectly cromulent. Um, I, I, <laughs> Brandon, that's for you. Um, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I like the album. I literally put on the other day, um, what was it? The, uh, like the re, the re, the redoing, the redoing, yeah, the tracking yeah. uh, playlist. And it was a Brandon uh, O'Brien remix, right? I mean, I, I think all the songs I, I pulled from that version of the album, but like the, the retracking is what I, I just put that on for some reason. And, you know, it's, I like the album, but to your point, it's yeah. like, I, that's probably the one of the first two I don't choose to listen to. And it's, it's not because it's a bad album. It's just a lot of kind of, uh, it's a vanilla album in a lot of ways. It's just, mm. there's a lot of, uh, 
it's good, but nothing's that great on it for me. V- so vanilla is delicious, good. but like it's sure. vanilla. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. My third choice here. This might be a strange choice, Paul. Wink, wink. Uh, I'm going to go Strangest Tribe. Weird. Now, weird, weird call there. I'm interested. Well, I'm, I'm glad you are interested because I'm going to talk anyways. Um, <laughs> it simply feels like a moment uh, in time that Ed was in a weird place and this just came out. Um, there's a reason it's been played live twice. Twice. Uh, the last of which I actually saw in Boston. Figure, uh, funny enough. So for novelty's sake, um, that's pretty cool. But it's just not appealing to me today. I think at the time, many of us found the the weird Ed isms, like these little these little jingles that Ed put together, to be interesting. I think we kind of ate that stuff up. Um, this is also kind of around the time that he started doing that preset stuff on the tours. Yeah. Um, and it didn't matter what song he, he did. It was just him, his guitar, uh, or a uke, and just a quick little ditty. Um, and people ate that shit up. They loved it. And I think this kind of, <laughs> this song really fits into that kind of vibe. And I, I think if he would write and record that, the song now, we'd be like, man, it's kind of lost the plot here, huh? Like it just doesn't seem like it's why like why there's no reason to do that you know and, and maybe we I feel that way because since this was written he's done a solo soundtrack a uke album and a proper solo record so now I I know what an Ed song is meant to sound like versus a Pearl Jam song and so I hear that song now I, I put it on randomly and I was like strangest tribe man this and what's funny is I think people were actually asking for that over the last couple of weeks uh, to be played in, in Europe because it's it's it's, a, it's been a long time since it's been played I mean like I said 2016 yeah um, but yeah I just at the time like I said I was like ooh fun little ditty cool I'm into it and now I'm just like why does this song exist it's just not even it's not really <laughs> that good either anyways I don't know what you think about that song I, I, it's a weird choice yes but that's why no I, I, I think it it's a good call. It's a good call. It, it's not something we hear often, though. But no, but but to your point about it not really mattering from the live perspective, right? And I just happened to put the song on, and this is song is from what ninety nine. I was yeah. like, "What is this?" <laughs> and it's not like it's not like at the time when you heard whale song, you're like, "This is very strange." <laughs> Jack's getting really strange. Like you knew it then. At the time, I was like, "No, this is kind of cool." You know, it's like it's like a really intimate Ed thing. Like, no, now I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is just weird. <laughs> it's weird, man. All right, you got uh, you got two more. Okay. What do you got? Um, so I, I'm going to go with Lightning Bolt on this one. How fucking I, I, dare you? I, I'm sorry. It, it again, much like um, much like a lot of the numbers I pointed out here. It that was a song that I felt like it they were trying really hard to create this just super sweet killer rock song and um, it just doesn't it, 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 it feels it's not that it feels dated it doesn't feel dated it just feels underwhelming to me you know I, I feel like I was trying to 
hear something in that song when I first heard it? Because you were totally sold on it. You loved it. It was your favorite song. I album. still like it a lot. I know you do. And uh, I, I don't know, man. I just, the, the more I listen to it, the more it just feels like meh to me. And it's, is it, do you it's think- not a song that I think is aging well. I, I, I feel like it's very, again, very, very formulaic and, and uh, it's uh, contrived in a lot of ways. Um, hmm. Especially, I mean, some of the lyrics are, when, you, when you're like shoehorning the word the into a, which line is that? It, 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 which, what is it? Uh, she comes onto the or what is the line? Uh, oh, uh, with her newly planted seeds, soon beyond your knees. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. It's like, what, what are we doing? Like pulling from the King James Bible here, man? It's like, hey, why not, man? <laughs> I don't know. That and Buenos if it's Sarah. good enough for Billy Shakespeare, it's good enough for Buenos Buenos I don't know. It, 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 hey, it, there's it, one for you. I don't, I don't yeah, know if you're right. going to throw a... Uh, what is that? Uh, can I see my friend? Um, listen, the arrangement on that song is not formulaic. It's a very strange arrangement. Um, what's interesting is he he. there's a line at the end where he says, she's an RKO. And for the longest time, a lot of, by the way, a lot of lyrics, um, a lot of, a lot of lyrics, uh, have that written as rock and roll, which is incorrect. It's RKO. And it's actually a, um, an acronym. And it was, um, something to do with, um, television way back in the day. And it was like, I think it was like a brand of TV that was like the bee's knees like everyone had to have that TV so like that's the he's pulling a really old phrase to, to, your, to your point about using the word the he's using a really obscure you know uh, piece of nomenclature from like you know the 50s or 60s to describe how special the person is but um, listen we're never gonna agree on this song that's fine it's okay it's, it's okay. yeah, you're right it is, it is okay to be wrong Paul um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm curious where the people stand on this one. I really am. Next yeah. song for me. <clears throat> Surprisingly, not number one for me. It's number two. It's Bush Lear. You already said why, but I've got notes, so I'm going to give you my notes. Uh, it seems pretty obvious. Um, I would have it number one, but I think there are too many parallels with other politicians, even if this is absolutely and obviously about George Bush, that you could make the argument that he's now an avatar for other terrible politicians so that's why it's like there's a there's one you know angle you could look at the song and be like well you know it could be something else okay i mean i don't i'm not i'm not making that argument but one could so that's why i kind of you know give it a, a, a bonus point um but yeah i mean there's a reason it hasn't been played in a long long time and unfortunately for fans of this song it's the same reason we won't hear seven o'clock much in three years and beyond because in my opinion it's just too on the nose it's way too on the nose um i know it's interesting i don't know which song i like more or or dislike more i guess you could say bush league or seven o'clock and well, again, I mean, again, people are yelling at me through the through the, through the headphones. But. They are, but I, I have to tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if down the road, if 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 we're having a similar conversation when we're doing the segment again, and buckle up and river cross or songs that make the list, then 
I mean, um, yeah, but I didn't think too highly of them now. So that's fair. But I, I mean, I think buckle up is, is, it feels very much like a stone solo project song. Good point. It's way onto a Pearl Jam song. That's an excellent point. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think river cross is just, it's, it kind of feels very, I don't want to say just drones on, but I mean, it's, you know what I mean? Um, I don't like parting ways as a song that I feel like this is actually aged very well. Uh, but I'm not, I don't know if river cross will, I, I wonder if that one's going to find itself on a list. Honestly, like dude, after this tour, I don't think it's, there it gets played again. Hmm. I, just, I just don't, I think it's way too, um, it's too unique. And I think, um, it's so, it's so depressing. And in, in a lot of ways, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it being played past 2022. Maybe if like randomly. Pops, it's, it's, uh, it's the, the sea world, uh, fireworks oh. in the distance. That's what that is. So. Oh, fun. Yeah. How about that? We're, Perfect intro to my, my, my number one choice. We're, we're, we're not killing the orcas. We're not killing the orcas anymore. <laughs> Hooray for us. Anyway. Um, yeah, so there you go. Bushlayer. Pretty obvious choice. You've got one more, my friend. What is it? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with brother, my brother. That's gonna be my number Ooh. one. Wow. Yeah, and I, I love this surprised. song. I I know, I'm Dude. a huge fan. I I really enjoy it. It's it's it just feels dated to me. It feels like a very dated like nineties like rock riff. You know what I mean? It's just power chord heavy that it, it's we just love. not Which we love. Don't get me wrong, but I mean like it, it it's not um I don't know. If, 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 if a band came out with a song like that today, I would say, "Gosh, you know, like let's get let's get out of the '90s here, guys, and, and try to make something a little bit more compelling." Um, and who knows? Maybe that's part of the reason why. Maybe they felt it was derivative of the time. I'm not sure, but they uh, it wasn't a song that they wanted to put on the record, and uh, you know, ultimately, it's not a song they've opted to play a lot since. And, and it was a song that I thought, man, if you guys had released this this thing. It would have been just off the charts epic, mm. you know. It, it would go down in the annals of Pearl Jam War as one of the greatest hits. But I'm not so sure at this point. I mean, it just it hasn't aged as well as, as some of the other hard rockers of its day. To me, um, it doesn't mean I don't love it. It just means that it, it, it's the one song of that group of songs that feels like yeah. a true product of its time musically. I'm not even talking about lyrics, but musically. I totally hear you. Uh, I'm going to say something that does in no way is um, a negative criticism of the artist because I, I enjoy. I think they're good, but I could totally see that song being written today by Chris Daughtry's band. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It, feel, it feels like because a lot of his stuff of the solo stuff, but. Well, I mean, the last couple of singles he had come out for his latest record, I think it was last year. They were good. They were good hard rock, but it was it was you know it was it was more in the um, the usual kind of guardrails of hard rock, and I, I would consider this something like that. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, at the time, people really hadn't heard that. It was like, holy shit, what is this? But now that we've heard all the post grunge shit for the last twenty five years. Um, and I think Chris Daughtry, if you can lump him in with that, I think he's probably the cream of that crop because he, he's such a great singer. 
that but i feel like that he would if, he, if that song was written today he'd be the one to do it and maybe and maybe we might say hey, this is a hell of a song but if anybody else did it it might not be yeah yeah it's a good point I know. love the track but just as do i don't feel don't feel it's aged as well as uh, others of its time uh okay my last one my number one <clears throat> the fixer ah good call there i think at the time a lot of people loved the sound and the positivity and the accessibility um it was more it was a more abrupt turn toward pop music um mm-hmm. which i think I, I think yeah i mean there's a there's a freaking target ad for christ's sake i mean that was strange at the time for Pearl to be so commercial. And I think there's a lot, larger part of the fan base that actually wanted Pearl Jam to be um, relevant again, to, to, I guess, to, for lack of a better word. They thought that Avocado would have been that, and it wasn't quite what they wanted. And they heard this song and went, yep, the radio will eat this up. My favorite band will be everywhere again, or some degree of that. And here we are now. It just feels like it was meant yeah, for when that When was the last moment. time they even played that song? Last time it was played? Okay, 2018. It was played one time. It was played uh, in Santiago, Chile. It was played once in Rio in 2015. It was played once in 2014 in St. Paul, Minnesota. Once in 2013 in Charlottesville. And that was the lead single, wasn't it, of that album? I mean, that was the, the, the yeah. driving song. 96 total dropped. plays. But yeah, uh, four times since 2013. Nuts. Okay. So it, it, it dropped. I mean, that Backstreet tour, and a couple of years after, it was played over 20 times a piece, and then it just dropped off the face of the planet. Wow. So. Um, well, there you have it. Yeah, I mean, they. I think they feel the same way. I think that they. Almost like the the band knew. You know, it was it was made in that time, and people thought that hey, the band is back because every every you know every freaking album is like oh, return to form, all that crap. And there were parts of Avocado that were like, especially coming off of Riot Act, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe we're going back towards more radio friendly rock and roll. When Worldwide Suicide was everywhere on the radio for a little bit, and then when this came around, it felt like the next step of radio-friendly rock for them. And like I said, it was a Target ad. And I was I was really into it for a while. I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Yeah. And I'm looking back on it and I'm like, this is definitely stuck. And again, I don't dislike the song, but it is definitely stuck in that time. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I'm actually surprised that one didn't make my list. I think uh, somehow I, I managed to gloss over that one, but... Uh... I would, uh, I'd say, of the of the ten that we've mentioned, I could easily see that one having the, the having the most compelling argument for being on a list like this. Mm. I'm actually surprised that I didn't have anything off Avocado or Lightning Bolt, and you definitely did on both, um, which is weird because they're some of the newer songs. So it's harder to age when it's newer, and we do. Really, I mean, aside from Brother, we didn't really cha- uh, choose many songs at all from the first handful of years. Uh, I, ch- I chose, you know, we, no, no one chose rats. No, no, no one chose leash. Um, you had blood just, and you had uh, habit though. I, I had blood and habit. Um, but I feel like 
there's a large segment of the population, the Pearl Jam population, that is, who would say like half of black, half of black, half of ten could be considered this, um, mm. which shouldn't be confused with you've heard even flow or life so many damn times and you're sick of hearing it. Right. Not that's not the question we're asking. Um, anyways, either way, I would love to know what you think of our lists, what your list would be, and again, I'm not trying to be negative because we like pretty much all these songs anyways um but you've gotta you gotta be able to criticize your friends you gotta be able to criticize the band it's important um that's why we want you to rate review and subscribe to this podcast and you tell us in your review why we're wrong yes but still give five stars because you know (laughs) algorithms and such all right all right there we go um send us your five we'll discuss online and let's now move on to our lyric of the week to get to it sometime from Lightning Bolt My Father's Son Can I forget your high and collective wounds left on you When every thought you're thinking sinks you darker than in the moon sky Far away lights rising in the eyes of your eyes Okay, Paul, I know that we both do not really or have not Previous to this, at least, I uh, held this song in very high esteem. <clears throat> However, we've got here, uh, looks like a bridge pretty deep into the song. What do you make of this section? Gosh, man. You know, I remember uh, when I first heard the song, I, w- I was not thrilled with it at all. It was uh, really inaccessible to me. I remember mm-hmm. we went to a show in LA. Africa. It was uh, with a guy that my wife worked with, and it was his favorite song on the album i remember thinking what <laughs> yeah <laughs> my what? father's son your, your favorite song is that wow um and, and that's not a judgment i just it, i would never would have thought that you know what i mean if I, was shocked, a yeah. man, I would have lost a lot of money on that. <laughs> uh but i i have to say that when, when i see these lyrics now with 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 all the mass shootings that are taking place and, and i don't want to go down this rabbit hole too deep but i just mentioned fireworks behind it you know what i mean we just had a celebration here and it was the most subdued Fourth of July celebration I think I've ever had. Uh, it, it, it was, it, I don't want to say it was, it, was, it was hard to celebrate America, but with everything that's going on in this country right now, it, it didn't feel quite like the celebration of freedom that it should, um, or at least that it has in the past for me. And, and I, I read lyrics like this, and I think about what happened on the Fourth of July and the, the, the shooting that transpired in Illinois and, just the, the sick and twisted mind of this kid and, and these, these young people getting sucked into this 4chan crap and, and the, these just alternate reality, this, this virtual avatar process by which you just lose yourself and you, you, you lose touch with reality on a level that is, it, it's not only tragic and, and sad, it's, it's outright dangerous. I mean, mm-hmm. it is lethal for anyone around you. So this kid goes and does this, and I'm not even going to mention by name because he doesn't deserve it. But it, it the whole thing is just a, uh, is a mess, and and it's interesting to to think about the the dynamic, and we talked about this a lot, you know. But the dynamic of of, of uh, how someone is brought up in upbringing, and and uh, the values that are instilled or the lack thereof, and, and 
what role that plays, you know, how, what, what role genetics plays in this process, you know, the nature and the nurture of, of, of how you bring somebody up. And, you know, you and I both have kids, you know what I mean? It, 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 how horrific would it be? How, how horrific, horrific must it be for a parent to get a phone call and find out that your child participated in something like this? And, um, I don't know. It's just, uh, it, 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 I think this song is a cautionary tale in a lot of ways. And these lyrics are a cautionary tale for the importance of, um, of, of, of listening to your children. Of, 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 and even if it's not children, just young people in general. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, 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 there's these people that they're hiding, I'm just quoting the lyrics here, hiding collected wounds left unhealed when every thought you're thinking sinks you darker than the new moon sky. The faraway lights rising in the whites of your eyes. I mean, it's it's this is that. You know, to me, it sums up that descent into madness that transpires. Mm. You know, um, and I know that that's not necessarily pinpoint what the song's about, but there are some parallels there that uh, when I when I was looking at these lyrics, it just felt like I was able to connect with with them on that level because of, of just how. Uh, do, how dark things are i know you know well it's it says something about the the lyrics that you can see all that in this uh, in, in a song that i think most people would probably feel is a little bit less dynamic um so that's cool it's good to know that it is possible to find um another face um to this song um I think this stanza, and maybe this ties into your yours actually pretty well, is um, I think it's all about regret. You know, this is like some weird callback to Better Man, but it always fell out um, out of place. Like, dude, it's been 19 years. You're still thinking about this? Um, but what's interesting is Ed would go on to meet those guys at that Cubs camp in Arizona and get those tapes of his dad singing from back in the day, probably just yeah. a couple of years later. <laughs> But here we are with a song about his lack of relationship with his dad and how he'd blame all his problems on his dad. But hey, I guess I appreciate the attempt at balancing the narrative by writing a bridge about what his father might have been thinking. Yeah. Uh, that third line about the new moon sky, it's, um, pardon the pun, a pretty dark. Like, yeah. is Ed hoping that his dad feels really shitty about their lack of relationship? Uh, I'm reminded of when Stip talked about his problem with break or fall because Ed seemed too mean spirited. And I almost think that's Ed here. I mean, I don't, I don't have any room to judge. Is that my battle? Nor do I have any parallel to draw from. I'm completely outside of the scenario. And yet it feels slightly mean. Um, there's a sarcastic kind of vengeful tone here to me, at least. And, and maybe I'm wrong in, in my interpretation it says more about me, but it's an interesting song uh, for many reasons, even if the music doesn't really do anything for me, which I, we've talked about before. But this yeah. bridge um, in particular, uh, amongst the rest of the song, it's got me thinking and wondering. Um, so, you know, like we have with many other songs, you find a little bit of silver lining in some yeah. in songs you generally don't really care too, too much for. Let's then move on to our live cut of the week. So live cut 
of my father's son. Where are we going? We're going to Los Angeles. Yeah, sports arena. Oh, what are we talking about here? November 24th, 2013. And it's not just because we happen to be with somebody who might have been the only person in the arena that day who qualified this song as his favorite on the album. But uh, it, it, for whatever reason, I remember that they knocked that performance out of the park. And I remember thinking, ah, all right, well, they, 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 they definitely brought it. it. It was clean. I think there was something about hearing that song live that maybe has influenced this, this take for me. Uh, it's the only version I've ever heard live. It might be the only version I ever hear live again. And so mm. uh, that, that that's a possibility. But even going back and listening to, to, to the mix, it's a, uh, it's a really solid version of this song. And we don't have very many of them, by the way. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go to Los Angeles. Let's go here. November 24th, 2013. I'm with you. Musically speaking, it was, I mean, Matt and Jeff especially are basically perfect. They're, they're right in the pocket. It's really, really nice. Um, to your point, it's only been played 13 times. So not a lot of options here. Um, 
I did feel though that in in places um, Stone felt a little lost a little bit. Um, and I will say that, you know, Ed did fuck up the second and third choruses pretty, pretty badly. I skipped like the first two lyrics each time. Um, but, but think about that though. Think about all the points that you just made as far as tying that in. I think that like, it, was it like, was there an emotional component for him there that led to that? It's possible. Or was he just, was he just, you know, Ed being two bottles of wine in and, and <laughs> more, more probable. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I won't quibble with somebody who has a, a different choice here, but well, uh, I want to know who, who's, who's listened to all 13 versions. And, and <laughs> cause you know, it's slightly more than I would, I could, I, I guess no, like 13 is like, like an album. You can do it in an hour or so. Maybe I'll give it a shot and go back and listen to all 13. But until then, this is the choice gang. This is the choice. November 24th, 2013. LA. And actually, we discussed this show, or at least I did, with John on Live on Four Legs. So go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear the full take on that on that yeah. show. Um, that is the show, guys. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Paul is in the dark on his porch at his Airbnb yeah. on AirPods, <laughs> running out of battery. I am running out of my own battery and my voice, uh, but we had to get the pot out for you. Uh, hope you're doing well out there. Uh, middle of July now things are getting hot out there yeah uh, that Patreon is getting hot too <laughs> I was just gonna go there you did it for me <laughs> uh, the um, the second episode of dropping the show will come out uh, this Friday so if you're a patron look forward to that and uh, we're gonna schedule our um, our Q&A sesh pretty soon for all yeah. of you who've joined and uh, by the way we still have shirts for sale I got new stock in both gray and black so you know put it out there anyways we'll be back with you next week for another i assume fabulous episode where paul will be at his regular mic and i will be with energy uh until until then you've been listening to state of love and trust yeah.